0: and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. I am so excited for you all to hear this conversation I had with my friend, Linda Holt. This is actually the second time Linda has been a part of this podcast. My first conversation was in episode number 88, where Linda and I discussed photography, photography, And how designers use it successfully in their businesses, all the way from before photos to progress photos to professional photos at the end. Now, I wanted to have Linda back on the episode because we didn't take a deep dive into professional portfolio-level photos in our last conversation, and that is something that all designers really struggle with, myself included. And if you've been following along either my stories on Instagram or this podcast, you know that I just took a bunch of professional photos of my projects and I was sharing the experience especially on my stories on Instagram, but it was an expensive and very time-consuming and tiring experience that I had to take on so that I could market my firm, right? We all know this to be true. But Linda has an amazing Instagram where she shares so many actionable tips on photography. And when I saw her latest one about content she is adding to her course, about taking portfolio photos for yourself and breaking down all the scary components of lighting and tripods and all of that. I thought, I've got to get Linda back on. We've got to talk about this and share this knowledge with all the designers listening. So, if you haven't heard of Linda Holt, she is a former professional photographer. She is no stranger to merging her creative eye with her aesthetic appeal. And she has worked with more than 5,000 celebrities, actors, and models as one of Boston's top commercial headshot photographers. That was her former life. Today, she uses her skilled photographic eye to help homeowners create a stylish, fresh, and relaxed home that is reflected of their unique personality and lifestyle. But over the past few years, Linda has put aside her heavy DSLR cameras and now shoots exclusively with her iPhone and Samsung phones. She has become an expert in both smartphone photography and smartphone photo editing. So after successfully teaching smartphone photography workshops in and around Boston, she created an online photography class solely for interior designers, stagers, and creatives called Smartphone Photography for Interior Designers. And let me tell you, it really does work. She knows her stuff, not only behind the camera, but also in the design field because she is now one of us. So, this is a really important conversation to have, and one that I want you to take careful notes of so that you can be more confident in taking your own photos that are portfolio worthy. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Like I just said, I am so excited to welcome Linda Holt back. She is the photographer extraordinaire when it comes to interior photos, which is, as we all know, a unique beast and takes special care and consideration to get it right. So, before we get started in the portfolio photos, we're going to talk very quickly about the iPhone 14, which I just invested in and realized that there's more challenges to it than I had anticipated. So, please let's all welcome Linda and dive in.
1: Thanks so much Renée. I'm so excited to be back. So, thank you for inviting me. So, on the topic of the iPhone 14, it's almost the identical camera. If, if people that own the 13 to the 14, there's very little difference. However, the one difference there is, is a major difference for interior designers. So this is what happens with the normal lens. When you just open up your camera to shoot, it'll open up into that normal default lens. You know, you also have the option if you have the 13 or the even the 12 of having a wide angle lens, the normal and a zoom lens. Well, the normal lens on every camera the iPhone has ever made has always been a 26 millimeter lens. The new iPhone 14, they made that lens even wider and now it is a 24 millimeter lens. Might not sound like a big difference, 26 millimeters to 24 millimeters, but it makes a huge difference when you are shooting an interior. Because what happens is, The wider the lens, the more bending you're going to get. So for example, if you think about a telephoto lens, maybe a a 200 millimeter lens that somebody would use to shoot wildlife or bird photography or sports photography versus a fisheye lens, which is about a 13 millimeter lens. And if you've ever seen a photo from a fisheye lens, all the lines form a circle on the outside. All the lines are completely bending. So as you get a wider and wider lens, it means the number goes down. So a fisheye is a 13, a telephoto is 200 or above. So the 26, which we were all used to, is now a 24, which means it's a wider lens. The lines are going to bend even more. So if you're outside and you're shooting a big scene, it's actually might be an advantage. You get more in your viewfinder. But if you're inside a interior, especially if you're in a small space, a bathroom, a kitchen, whatever, you are going to get lines that are going to bend. And it can be really challenging, if not impossible, to straighten them out in camera. You're going to have to straighten them out in post-production or in editing and an editing app afterwards to fix that perspective. So it's just something that everybody should be aware about if they're on the on the edge about should I upgrade to the 14 or not, to know that, that it's a wider angle lens. Now, that's the cons of the 14, but the plus is the wider the lens, the more light it lets in. So the 14 is going to do better in low light situations because the lens, as a, as a wider lens, the aperture is going to open up even more, so more light will get in, which can... Result in a sharper photo does well in low light. So it's really something you just need to consider. Are you comfortable with editing in post production? You know, to get those lines straight, or you would you rather not have to worry about that? Then I would just hold on a little bit longer to the phone that you have and not upgrade to the 14. I've been reading a lot of chatter online and some photographers, professional photographers that, you know, use their DSLR, think it's phenomenal. One photographer who's pretty well known said the 14 is the first phone that he ever honestly believes can replace his DSLR. Other photographers don't like it at all, specifically because that lens is so wide. So just give it some thought. What's going to work best for you? But know that the default lens is wider, going to get more bendy lines.
0: And of course, I didn't know any of that when I... Finally, did upgrade my right. camera. I have noticed that there are they're brighter, there yep. are sharper lines, and I yep. find in interiors we're often in low lighting yes. settings, especially on a renovation project. It's mm-hmm. not like you have traditional right. light sources. Right. But I also know that as an interior designer, you're in small spaces, right? You're, right. and a lot of our lines are are very distinct, right? You might yes. have a countertop or um, yep. tile, and those lines go wonky real fast and it's hard to to sort of fudge that factor. And I can't say I'm that adept at the editing apps but probably more so because I haven't just taken the time to sit down and right. figure them out, but that is something that's going to be be necessary now going forward because I have started to see those issues in my own photos even if just for Instagram or or Facebook, let alone portfolio, which is which is the other topic Linda was on the episode back in September, talking all about using iPhones as far as the variety of reasons designers use photos. Whether it's like I said for for portfolio work, for social media on websites to convey messages to your clients, to contractors, and and we only touched uh, briefly last time on portfolio photos because traditionally designers will hire a professional photographer. Uh, that being said. Linda and I were talking and there are lots of occasions where designers aren't in an area that have actual interior photographers or the expense is is too great to to invest in especially if you are a new designer. Linda and I talked briefly, if you are following me on social media you know that I did just photograph four projects over two days and hired a photographer that I have used in the past. He actually is hes a really good guy. He, His pricing is reasonable for that world, but still very high. And in full transparency, I paid $3,000 plus or minus for about 15 final images and two full days. And I mean full days from nine to four in four different client homes. Plus, I had to buy some props, you know, some flowers and things that were real and natural that you couldn't just beg, borrow, and steal. And then, of course, there's the time. So there are, and we'll talk more about it, but there are some other issues with photographers, you know, the licensing contracts that you have to get into. And then Linda made a fantastic blog post, which we will put in the show notes, about how to actually take on that level of work for a designer on their own. And so, Linda, can you speak to why? Why did you start sharing information about lights and tripods and things like that where you hadn't previously? Sure.
1: Well, when I created my class, I really wanted to be for the sort of beginning, beginner interior designer, because I assume almost anyone that's looking to take a smartphone class is not going to have had previous photography training or very little and even if they did the smartphone is a whole different beast from a DSLR so i didn't really get into supplemental lighting over the past few months more and more designers have reached out to me saying you know what do you do with an internal bathroom when there's no windows i have to shoot a subground basement and there's no windows well the smartphones as good as, as smart as they are it's not a magic wand where they can make your room look lit if it's not so If a professional was coming in to shoot that, they have to bring lights. So I decided to think, you know what? I really want to just basic lighting and teach that in my course. So people, I think, are so intimidated by lights. They think, oh, my God, they think of heavy equipment and the strobe lights from back in the day. I use a really portable super affordable set it comes with two light stands two soft boxes i'm trying to remember the price but i think it was like 149 for both of them and then you have to buy two separate bulbs and the bulbs are special bulbs they're not the kind of bulbs that you'd have at home they're for videographers and they're for professional photographers because they're daylight balanced which is what you want so they're not going to cause any kind of color shift anywhere in your room So I put this together. It's part of my class now. But really, lighting does not have to be complicated. You just need to bring in... Well, this set that I recommend actually comes with two softboxes. But so far, I've only found the need to use one. I put that light on. I kind of usually will aim it to the middle of the ceiling. So the light will hit the ceiling and the ceiling will act as a natural reflector and just bounce that light all over the room and fill in the room. And many times you're one and done. That's it. That's all you need to do. But I also go over what to do, you know, how to use two lights. How do you light a uh, internal bathroom when you can't even get the light in the bathroom? So I thought, you know, this is really valuable information because I've gotten so much positive feedback about, you know, the composition and the lighting and all that, photographing tablescapes from interior designers, but that was the one part that was missing. So now I've included that as well. So there's no reason why interior designers can say, oh, I can't do this because they can. And again, I'm not targeting firms. Obviously they're gonna price in you know, $10,000 per job to, to hire out professional photographers. But the people that buy my class are new designers who don't have three to $5,000 to hire a professional. And it's not worth it sometimes if they're just doing one, uh, you know, oh, I did a bedroom or I did a dining room or I just did a family room. It's not worth it to spend that kind of money when they really can do it themselves. So I'm just so passionate about empowering designers that want to do it on their own to understand how to do it on their own. So that was the whole point of doing the whole module on interior lighting for designers.
0: And that's where Linda and I, you know, obviously are lockstep, you know, empowering designers to take the control where they often, it's just simply lack of confidence. It's not skills. And what Linda just described isn't necessarily difficult to do. It's the lack of knowing the steps in order to do it. And, you know, like I just the example I just gave, we did two clients in one day because neither project was I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, dis any of the projects, but they weren't put worthy of an entire day, right? Mm-hmm. One was a little girl's room. I would never have photographed it otherwise if I hadn't been able to piggyback it onto these other projects because to pay him to come, you know, he's about 40 minutes from me. There'd be a travel fee involved. He may have dinged me for an entire day simply to get one or two rooms. I would have said no. So I did actually hold these projects and then frankly, trying to coordinate four different clients on two consecutive days was a logistical nightmare and I kept thinking something's going to go wrong he's going to be sick I'm going to be sick a client's going to be sick but it did work out so okay to your point as far as the interior photography I'm going to ask Linda I didn't prep her for this but here's the question lamp light lamps on lamps off there's a big debate in the interior design world and it and now that <sighs> I've said it anyone listening, go look at your shelter magazines. You will see both. And I'd love to know, why do you see both? Why is one, you know, if one is better than the other, why do you constantly see both?
1: I actually don't see both. And I'm going to always say lamps off always because you're going to get that color shift. Whatever temperature bulb is in your table lamps, your floor lamps, or your overhead ceiling lights, you're going to get that color cast and you're not going to have a white balance photo. Now, there are very specific scenarios where I would turn on the light and this is where it is. In a dining room with a chandelier, if it's on a dimmer, turn it all the way down on the dimmer. So, if you turned it, if you pushed it, dimmer one more bit, it would be off. It will add a little bit of ambience and you want more, if it's a lifestyle shot, you want that warm glow. But overall in general, I don't know a single interior photographer that would turn the lights on. Real estate photographers go in and turn the lights on and that's what will make your beautiful interior look like a real estate photographer came and took a real estate photo if the lights are on. So, 199.9% of the time, turn off the lights. If the room, like I said, is too dark and you can't shoot it, that's when you bring in supplemental lighting. It's not hard. It's easy. Throw some light in there. Daylight balanced. And it will appear as if the room is nice and brightly lit. But don't turn on floor lamps and table lamps. You're going to get, depending on the temperature and the bulb, each you're going to be dealing with a, a pink cast, a yellow cast, a greenish cast, and it is Going to make your photos look so unprofessional, and it will turn off any client looking through your portfolio to hire you. That bad lighting and crooked lines are dead giveaway that you're not worth the money you're charging. So, you really want your photos to match your level that you want to charge your clients. So, your photos need to look as professional as you are. So, if you can't afford to hire a really Dedicated interior photographer, not a wedding photographer, not a real estate photographer, not your next door neighbor's brother who's a hobbyist. You need to hire either a dedicated professional interior photographer or you need to learn to do it yourself. And to learn to do it yourself is not hard, it just takes time. So if you have more time than money, that's when you really want to learn how to do your own photos.
0: Right. And also hiring a professional photographer, they have some pretty, um, tricky language in their contracts as mm. far as ownership. Oh and yes. additionally, and Linda can talk about this because she was a professional photographer, it's the licensing agreement. So if a designer is fortunate enough to be able to be published or want to put photos towards a competition, there are a lot of restrictions that have to be dealt with in order to actually use photos that you paid for. So Linda, can you talk about yes. some of that?
1: So this is the bottom line. If you don't take the photo, you don't own the photo. And this is such an, designers have a hard time understanding this. It's their project. They sweated over this project for two plus years maybe. They did every design. They carefully chose every single element. It's their room. It's their space. So they don't understand why the photographer, they're hiring someone to shoot their space. It's not their photos. It's the photographers. As fair or as unfair as you think that is, if you don't take the photo, you don't own the photo. And if you want to post it on social media and let's say a vendor sees that photo and said, oh my God, you used our chandelier. I want to, we'd love to use that with credit to you and we'll put it on our website and our social media. Guess what? You have to say, sorry, I can't give you that permission. You then have to turn that vendor over to your photographer. And nine times out of 10, the vendor isn't going to go that extra step to do that. And the photographer is going to renegotiate, send another contract to that vendor. It's just not worth the vendor's time. If you take the photo, you can send it to vendors. You can set, you can do whatever you want with it. And the photographers, if you are working with a top photographer, a good photographer, not again, not just your neighbor's friend or a wedding photographer. If you're working with, you know, a professional interior photographer, you're going to get four, five, six-page contact about copyright, what what you can use it for, what you can't use it for. You almost need a lawyer to read it and understand it. And if you use it, In general, for anything outside of your portfolio or your own personal social media, you can be sued and be liable for using it in any other way because you signed that contract. So, I just want people to really be aware that this is such a big, big issue right now in interior design, where designers, especially with social media and vendors seeing it and wanting to use it, you cannot say yes. And if you do and you get caught, you can be and you can be sued and go to court over it. So it's another reason why I really feel strongly about this whole subject about shooting your own photos, you will own your own photos.
0: And I also think to that point, the world has gotten away from uh, needing that photo to look, maybe this is the wrong word, but as pristine as they did in, say, the 80s and 90s. You know, I remember back in those days working. We hired, you know, premier photographers in New York City. These were prints, obviously. This was pre digital world, and they were pristine, almost to the point where <laughs> the rooms didn't actually look like they did in person. Right? They right. completely shifted them around. the Lighting they brought in, sort of shifted colors, you know, warmer or cooler. But I think the world has has changed, right? They want really decent lighting. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be perfection. And I find that designers really get caught up in that. Well, if right. it's not professional, I can't call it a portfolio photo. And I really want designers to to start looking at it in, with a different lens, pun intended, that right. there is an avenue, a, a very, very... Productive avenue to be using photos that you take on your own with some training, with lots of practice that can be put on your website as a portfolio photo.
1: And you made a really good point because the reason back then why you really had to hire a professional was because the word print. You couldn't get a really large blow up, you know, well, you can today. When the first cell phones came out, remember, they were like two megapixels. Now they're 20 megapixels and you're, where are you using the photos? Those days are gone of the 11 by 14 prints in the leather portfolio case that we walked around and showed clients. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. You know, we are seeing things on our, on our phone. It's a little two inch square piece of real estate. How many megapixel camera do you need to do that. Nothing. The smartphones are, oh my God, the new ones are just incredible. You do not need the quality that you used to need because you're not making prints. And even if you are making prints, say for your office wall, you can still blow those up at least 11 by 14, if not more, and get a nice sharp print. But Again, it's all, it's on our phone and you're so right. It doesn't have to be pristine. It's more all about authenticity now in real life and going to the extreme what we used to do. We're not doing that anymore. I mean, it, it really... Those, those days are gone. And the, the smartphone, I, I don't care what anybody says, the smartphone, today's current smartphone, if you have a smartphone you've bought within the last two years, you have a camera that is equally superior to a DSLR camera, except you can't interchange lenses. And that's really the only difference. There is a difference with megapixels and all that, but that's only if you're going to blow it up to make gigantic prints. So I think it's really a mindset shift that designers need to understand, and they have been brainwashed that, oh, you have to use a DSLR camera with a professional behind it. False and false. These smartphones are smart, and they can do it for you. And anyone can just go to my website, look at my portfolios. I did every single one of those shots with my smartphone. So they can see. I, I'm not embarrassed to show those at all. And even my whole Instagram, every single shot on my
0: Instagram is my own photo. Oh, no, I think they should go to your website because they are incredibly impressive.
1: And I think it's just getting over that initial fear of, oh, I'm, I don't have training. I don't know what I'm doing. The phones are so smart. All you have to do is aim it at the right place, you know, and, and make sure the lighting is right. There's really not a whole lot... Photography is not complicated today. It used to be because you had to understand ISO and f-stop and, and you know, shutter speed and you had to put it all together and know, like, why do you use this? And forget it. Your phone does it all for you. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You only have to focus on what you're framing, the composition, and make sure you have good lighting things and designers have a great eye designers already have this huge advantage because they can take a photo look at it on the back of their camera and immediately know if does that look balanced does that angle look odd are the lines straight designers have that innately they can see that so they are at such an advantage for taking their own shots even just for that reason
0: well, and the nice thing is, I think it also takes the intimidation factor out of the equation when you are approaching a client. You know, I I do know some clients like, oh, my gosh, you're going to bring a photographer. Like, oh, oh God, yeah. The rest right. of the house has to be cleaned up. And oh, my gosh, what do you need? And I, you're like, no, 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 I I will. You know, we'll take care of all of that. Yes. Yes but had i called and said i'm going to come over i've got some lights i'm going to take a few photos they would have thought oh fantastic I'll, of course it's not I'll intimidating pick her brain while she's here yeah. right it's not intimidating when you have
1: that iphone it's intimidating when you're coming in with a giant heavy tripod a giant digital camera then the monitor that you set up on another giant light stand so you can see what you're shooting I mean, that is so much rigmarole, which is why you're paying $3,000 because they got to lug all that crap to the house and then they have to do other light stands if they need their big lights. And it's just all, I don't know. I think it's a tying field personally Um and I get it why they're so threatened. And I also get why a big firm is going to hire them. You know, here's, they don't need to worry about the bottom line, but most of the designers probably listening to your podcast. And most of the designers that buy my course, they want to do it on their own. They, you know, just for both copyright issues, they want to own the photos, but also they want to invest once, learn how to do it, and then shoot. Then it's free the rest of their, the rest of their career, they can do their own photography. And every time they do a shoot... They're going to learn something, they're going to get better, they can start in their own house, start with their friend's house, start with that one little, you know, bedroom that you did for your neighbor, start there, and you will learn really quickly, you know, how to get better. But it is a little bit of practice, so you're not going to be right out of the gate, you know, maybe the first time.
0: Well, and you're right. I mean, hell, you can just practice in your own home. That's right. what we do, right? We have our yep. own interiors. You can do it anytime, any light, any you know, dark gray day because yep. that's the other thing. I had to book this guy. I think I booked him six weeks out. Yep. I had no idea what the weather would be like six right. weeks out. Right. We got lucky. It was a beautiful day. Yep. And we had a lot of natural light, but that was just luck. And I think, you know, we need to, as the designers, I do think commercial designers tend to use uh, these photographers much more Mm -hmm. so than residential designers. Mm -hmm. And I'm laughing at you because I do have that portfolio box. With mounted photos from <laughs> yep. my from my glory days, and yep. they have felt backing so they don't oh, scratch yes. <laughs> each other. And I probably spent three thousand dollars on those in that right. one box, um, sure. you know, and and lugging it around and pulling oh, it yeah. all out. I mean, yep. what a disaster yep. that used to be. But right. I do think that that designers really need to start considering the ownership of the images. Mm-hmm. And and while I was well aware that I would be signing off rides or I'd have to contact them. Most of the photographers I've worked with are very amenable. They're actually excited, right? I, mm-hmm. I did reach out to this guy. I said, listen, I'm going to submit these to, to a, a competition. He's like, oh my gosh, let me crop a few more. Like he was just very, you know, right? he was being professional. He was yep. helping a fellow professional out. So I am aware of the things that I kind of sign away, but I'm not sure all designers realize how how tricky that can be with the world of social media. And I'll be honest, Linda, when I'm looking to post an image of mine, I think twice about specific photographers, because I know I could get myself, you know, in a little bit of a bind, if like you said, a vendor, or another designer forwards Mm -hmm. it or posts it to their stories. And I think, Oh, God, did I, you know, tag it correctly? Did it, you know, and it these are, thoughts that go through my head that give me serious pause. Mm -hmm. And so I shy away from some of the photos that I paid for because I don't want to get hung up in that trap because some photographers are more, I don't want to say litigious, but could lead to that than Mm -hmm. others.
1: Right. And I've heard a ton of horror stories. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily the norm of this whole copyright thing of being really, really strict, but it happens a lot. And I hear every month, I think, I hear a story about a photographer suing a designer because they saw the photo somewhere else and they didn't have permission to use that. And also they're sending really long contracts. My friend just got a 13-page contract just about the copyright. So she said, you know what? I'm done. She's been using this photographer for nine years. And she said, that's it. I'm done. She didn't want to sign a nine-page contract about Copyright usage.
0: Well, and um, you said it earlier, and I want to highlight it. The verbiage is extremely hard to understand. Yes,
1: it is. It is for sure. Yep.
0: So you may think you understand the copyright that you're agreeing to. Right. But I'm telling you, because I read a few... In the past couple of years from different photographers, and they all use different verbiage. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fortunate. A childhood friend of mine is in marketing and advertising. I literally just shove them off to her and I say, mm. what do you think? And she sends them back red line. Do you realize yeah, this? Do you realize right. that? And most of the time, I'm like, yeah, I picked that up. Oh, didn't see that. Oh, yeah. wow. Wait, what am I agreeing to? Right. And I think designers are, are you know, we're trustworthy people. We think, mm-hmm. yeah, you're a photographer. Yeah. And like you said earlier, they're my work. So I get to use them. Right. Very limited. And, yeah. and you've got to be very careful that you stay within those limitations or you absolutely I haven't heard of anyone been sued, luckily, mm-hmm. but I have got had friends who've gotten nasty letters yeah. and saying you got to go correct this. You've yeah, to that happens this a person. lot.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think bottom line for me, the copyright issue for me would be the number one reason why I'd want to start taking control of my own photography. I just think it's so frustrating that you'd want to use the, your your room design and you can't because you don't own the photo. So, if nothing else, to me, the copyright is the real. The the thing that would push me over the edge, like, you know what? I want to start shooting my own my own work.
0: Yeah. And I've never heard of a designer, and you tell me if you have, that's been able to negotiate the copywriting away.
1: No, and even if they offer to pay, this was another thing I heard recently. She said, How much? She just wanted a number. She really wanted to buy the photos. It was a once-in-a-lifetime project no matter what she said, the photographer said, no, there's no amount of money. I'm not giving you the copyright. He's not even doing anything with the photos. He's just preventing her from doing something with the photos. So, and she didn't ask the right questions and she signed the contract and didn't really read it carefully. And now she wants those photos in perpetuity. And he's like, absolutely not. You cannot buy them from me. So, I mean, that's an unusual situation, but even so,
0: But even so, it's possible. And that's where we want people listening to understand and really pour over that language. And if you don't understand it, give it to someone who can translate it into a language that you do understand before you sign away on it.
1: Right. I mean, that would be even an added expense. Oh, now I have to take the the contract to a lawyer and pay a lawyer to read it so then I can pay the photographer. Oh, my gosh. I don't
0: know. Isn't it ridiculous? <laughs> it is ridiculous. And all we want is to memorialize our yeah. work so that we can market ourselves for more work. It is. It's absurd. It's absolutely yeah. absurd. But I agree with Linda. I think that the, the iPhones, even though I am not confident in my skills with my iPhone, but I understand that they're knowing that I can become more confident is what's going to drive me to, to move forward and, and learn those skills that I think are, are long overdue.
1: And it's really just practice. It's like anything. You're not going to sit down at the piano and, you know, crank out a tune if you've never played the piano before. And photography, we have our phones with us all the time. So every day, if you just take one photo in your house and just look at it, and then you're going to just train your eye. You're going to say, oh, that doesn't look good shooting on the corner like that. Let's see if I move around and shoot straight on. Well, gee, that looks better. So that will give you a clue next time. Oh, I think I'm going to, I like the look of straight on. I don't worry so much about the lines. And You're just going to train your eye and just, it's just practice.
0: And I think the lighting component is, is really the next level because I know all the designers, myself included, you're in these rooms, you're, you're trying to angle to get as much sunlight, daylight, Mm -hmm. you know, glare out of the way, either in the photo or out of the way. And and so that is probably the most, I would think the highest learning curve is how to, because we're not going to lug around a light with us everywhere we go you know especially me i take a lot of photos for progress on a construction site and you don't need to yeah behind the scenes
1: is behind the scenes nobody wants to see it styled they want to see the mess they want to see you know the fluorescent lights on they don't care it's behind the scenes it's those finished you know the room is done we put a bow on it where you want to get a beautiful shot for instagram for your portfolio to show clients but you know again i just you designers can do that.
0: And frankly, the before photos shouldn't be too polished or the after photos don't look as dramatically. Right. I always (laughs) say that the worse the before photos, the better because it (laughs) makes your after photos look phenomenal. (laughs) Exactly. So Linda, tell us about the rest of your course. I know obviously we've really highlighted the newest component of adding in lights and the iPhone 14 quirks that we have to contend with now
1: well it really is soup to nuts so there are there are nine different modules and each module is made up of a series of short bite-sized videos like 6 to 7 6 to 10 minute videos and i go over If you don't know anything about your phone, I go over all the hidden features of your phone, how to use the features of your phone, and then I go over composition, I go over lighting, I go over how to photograph in really challenging spaces such as High Point Market or or show houses where all the lights are on. I have a module on how to photograph window treatments, how to photograph tabletop. I have a a whole module on editing, but my biggest module is on interior photography, where I go over everything because for interiors, composition, lighting, angle, everything is a little bit different than in general photography. So I have a long, the biggest module on interior lighting, which is now added, I'm adding the videos on shooting with supplemental lighting and i talk about how to use them how to set them up so it's really everything a designer really needs to know to take charge of shooting their own their own projects
0: and as we know that's your first and and most valuable marketing tool so without photos it's really hard to convey what you can bring to a client that's and- right I have had clients, it's in my contract that I am allowed to photograph. However, there are some who want that struck from the contract. And Mm. the problem with that is, well, obviously they looked at my images in order to hire me. So why are they not willing to share their images for the next client? So I think, again, some of these components of, say, me taking the photos on my own, Mm -hmm. that takes a little of the intimidation out, Uh, me not, you know, descending upon their home with a guy with tons of equipment and lugging it around and nicking and dinging potentials of, you know, getting it in and out of spaces. I think all of those little elements add up to a really good argument or a much more convincing argument for a client that may be anxious about allowing photography.
1: And a lot of clients just don't want more strangers in their house. They know and trust you. They're going to trust you to take photos. But like you said, to bring in someone, a stranger they don't know, who may or may not have an assistant, to bring in all that equipment, that's intimidating for people that are private. They don't want that. They don't know who these people are. And a lot of you know these clients are high earners and they worry about their safety. They worry about you know what the valuables in the house and a stranger seeing everything they have. They don't know who these people are. So they trust the designer. They have a relationship. So I can't imagine there would be any issue with the designer, using their smartphone to get some final photos, because that's not scary or intimidating to them.
0: Well, and keep in mind, uh, the photo sessions we took, it was at least four hours Mm -hmm. in each house. And that was for limited spaces. So that's another big ask. Hey, not only can I come by, but can I hang out for most of the day, if not right. more than one day, right? That's a really large imposition that I'm aware of when I'm asking clients, yeah, and and very sensitive to whether they work or they're home. It, it's still that anxiety factor that can be removed if it's hey, it's just me. I have been in your house for countless hours at a time, and like you said, that no like and trust factor is is solid because yep. it's the end of the project, right? So I think that's just a win win all around. In order to get what you want, because designers do want these images. They Mm -hmm. want them to look as polished as possible. But I think we have lowered our requirements as far as that incredible polished look Mm -hmm. that you and I talked about from from the days gone by. Right. Exactly. So so you mentioned High Point Market. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of the designers listening go to High Point Market because I'm constantly asked if I'm going to be at High Point Market. And uh, Linda and I have both discovered that we will both be at High Point Market this April. Linda goes much more frequently than me. So tell us, Linda, about um, an offer you have at High Point Market.
1: Sure. So I was asked by the market to do what's called an insider tour because I've been going for so many years. And it's such a fun day. It's free to anybody that wants to do it. And it's for first-time buyers or people that have not been to market in the last, I think it's the last three years, and it's all day Saturday. It's a sponsored breakfast. We have a, we go by a shuttle from, I show my favorite showrooms and they're a little off the beaten path. These are showrooms that, you know, I stay away from the big ones like Century and Vanguard because you can do that on your own. I go to more really cool little showrooms so designers get to s- discover something new. We start off at a sponsored breakfast at 8.30 in the morning and it ends at five o'clock with a sponsored cocktail party. We get lunch. It's just such a fun time. Usually the designers on the tour will all bond and make friends with one another and oftentimes lifelong friends. So the next market, especially if you're going and you don't know anybody, it's a great way you can connect with somebody. And also the market is overwhelming. I try to take, well, not I try, I do. I take my tour tour. To several different areas within all of High Point Market, so you kind of get a feel for the lay of the land. So now the next day, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I understand where I am now. So it kind of prevents overwhelm if it's your first time. It's really social. We have a blast. It's really fun. And you get a free breakfast, a free lunch, and a free cocktail party. Basically, there's food all day. So it's a really a great opportunity if anybody wants to go. And again, it's free, which is the best part.
0: And we'll also have that link in the show notes and, and to Linda's point and to really make sure people understand if this is your first time, it is extraordinarily overwhelming. And I, I don't say that to intimidate you to not go, but to educate you to do your research, find tours like Linda's. Try to make some sort of sense of it as far as as where to start and end. Because I have heard lots of designers say I wasted you know the first day and a half because I just didn't even really know where to go, right. where to start. And I went in showrooms I'd never need, and you know, so it is. It's so thrilling to be there, and it's, it feels like kind of mecca because. The only people you're surrounded by are, are designers and, right. and that's, that's harder to find these days. So I highly recommend going to, to High Point Market and certainly taking advantage of free tours like Linda, who you can lean on her expertise and basically get the shortcuts to some of the better showrooms and, and new vendors. That's the whole purpose is right. to go and explore new <clears throat> companies.
1: And it's really hard to convey just how overwhelming High Point is, because I heard that over and over. Oh, it's really overwhelming. I'm like, I'm from the city, you know, I will tell you, I was so overwhelmed. And exactly what you said, I went with a friend, we got lost in a building. These buildings, you could spend a whole week in one building. It is just massive. There's over, what is it, over 2 million square footage of showroom space. We ended up in a basement of a building because somebody told us we could cut across because it was pouring rain if we went down to the lower level there was a tunnel we ended up in a boiler room i mean it was we just had no idea what we were doing so if i was new i i mean there's nothing i recommend more than hooking up with someone that's been there before that can show you what to do or go on a tour like this because you know you spend one day having fun and then you really will kind of get it But to go without knowing anything on your own, it's like you're landing in another country that you've never been in. You don't speak the language and you don't know what country you're in. It's just, it's really pretty unbelievable.
0: And, you know, to that point, what I found fascinating was how little information showrooms had about other showrooms. Right. So I thought, well, surely I'll ask in this showroom for a really great recommendation for, I don't know, you know, upholstered furniture. And they're like, I don't know. Like, how do you not know? Well, because it's so vast. It's so overwhelming that these reps literally descend on this tiny town and they literally live in the showroom. And then they go in their own little,
1: they're in their own bubble and they don't emerge from that bubble and they work 15 hour days in their bubble.
0: (laughs) In heels. They're crazy. That's the other tip. Do not wear heels, wear the most comfortable shoes you own and they will still be uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Such.
0: Well, Linda, I can't thank you enough. I really, truly can't encourage designers enough to put aside their fears of screwing up. I mean, again, it's digital. It's not like you're printing things and you have an expense that you have to eat. Really start investing in their photographic skills of their own, because while they may have access like I do to professionals, we've just described all of the pitfalls that come with it. And and I don't mean to, and Linda is a professional photographer as well. We don't mean to take apart or tear down that industry. We just want to highlight the fact that it isn't always as it appears and that there are some serious glitches in the system as far as, as we said, ownership of images along with some of the other issues that are inherent in hiring a professional. So I I can't thank you enough. I know tons of people will be looking for more information on not only your course, but your blog. And Linda has a fantastic Instagram profile where she shares tips regularly, which is actually where I first heard about the iPhone issues and immediately reached out to Linda and said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I bought the wrong phone. And she assured me that I did not, but that there would be some issues that I would have to contend with. And and I now am, thanks to Linda.
1: Great. Renee, thank you so much for having me on. I'm just really grateful. I just want to leave designers with this final word that you can do it. Just you really, really can. It's not as scary as you may think it is, but definitely at least
0: consider doing it. I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Linda, so much. Thank you, Renee. Bye. Take care. What a great and really informative conversation that was. And one that I hope you took a lot of notes on, not only on the ins and outs of hiring a professional photographer, what to look for in their contracts, how to set that up, but also the fact that you should feel empowered and capable of taking a lot of these portfolio level photos yourself. Because to be honest, if I hadn't been able to stack those smaller projects back to back over two days, I likely would have skipped over at least two of them, particularly this little girl's bedroom, because it was just a simple one-off and I likely wouldn't have wanted to spend the money for the professional to just get that one room. And boy, would that have been a mistake. It is such a charming room and honestly, I don't do a lot of little girl's rooms, so Frankly, it was very fun to do, and it's just such a unique look from the rest of my portfolio. I am so glad that I have it, but that's really, like I said, because I was able to stack those projects together. So we went over a lot today, right, from hiring professional photographers, what their language in their contracts really does mean, and how you can understand it better, but also to the iPhone 14, which frankly, I'm still getting used to. And I think I am getting better at it, but she's right. It just takes practice. And sometimes I know I'm guilty of just wanting to rush through something and have it be perfect. But then of course, and the reality is we know that that's not really possible. So please check out Linda Holt's websites All the details and the links that we discussed will be on my website. And in particular, if you're going to High Point, you need to take Linda up on a free tour of the entire town because truly it is an entire town. You are hoofing it from one side of town to another, going in and out of showrooms. It is mind boggling. And so if you can take her up on this opportunity, I highly recommend it. Plus to hang out with Linda for the day. It's just a great opportunity. So all of that information will be on the show notes. And I can't thank you enough for your time today. And I look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening today and feel free to join me on social media at Devine Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word. Leave a review and tell your friends who are starting or are mid-project. And thank you again for listening today.